PM board bombs. All right, the cold open. Welcome back to another EM Boar Bombs podcast where boar studying seems to be more enjoyable. This is our cold open. This is our cold. We're just going for it. Come on, Blake. This is be hilarious. All right. I am Iltafad Hussein. I'm joined by Dr. Blake Briggs. This is a continuing collaboration uh, between ASEP's Peer Board Review and EM Board Bombs. They give us questions. We provide some answers and we provide our awesome voices. For every 15-minute episode, we drop high-yield board knowledge. Come for the STEM, stay for the content. Sign up on our website at emboardbombs.com is where you'll find us on Twitter. And our website's emboardbombs.com as well. So, let's get started. You ready? Cold open. Hey, I'm here, by the way. <laughs> I wanted to see what a cold open would be like, just rushing you, rushing you through. I'm already thinking of another type of cold open I need later. Oh, God. <laughs> to this episode. A 23-year-old male presents to your ER via EMS after being involved in a MBC. EMS states there were reports that the patient was, quote, ghost riding Ooh. outside on a country road and making a TikTok video at the same time. Hmm. Are you familiar with TikTok, Blake? Uh, I am, uh, Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> you ask EMS what quote, ghost riding, end quote, means. And they respond by saying it is a maneuver that involves the driver exiting the vehicle while it is still in gear, <laughs> preferentially while music is playing. This gives the illusion of the vehicle being driven by a ghost, while in hmm. fact it is not. While in fact it is not. Unfortunately, while ghost riding, the patient's own vehicle struck him. <laughs> The patient is unresponsive in your ER, and you quickly perform rapid sequence intubation. Which of the following is the most reliable method of confirming correct tube placement after intertracheal intubation? A. Five-point auscultation. B. Chest radiography. C. Entidal caponography. D. Endotracheal tube condensation. Dr. Briggs, what's the correct answer of this peer question? Hmm. Quick answer here is going to be choice C. Boom. End title, capnography. Boom. Capnography. Capnography. Hey, today we're going to talk about the often very stress-free process of checking ETT placement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Sometimes right. better than others. <laughs> yes. Yes. But boards love this topic uh, because it's easy. It's low-hanging fruit to test on. It's also highly relevant for life because there's a lot of assumptions people have about checking right. tube placement. Yeah, and this is one of those where I feel like we're dropping board bombs, but we're also dropping life bombs. You know, like you just kind of need to know this. Mm -hmm. You need to know this. Yeah. It's pretty easy. And you're going to get two or three questions right on your boards because of it. But you know what? You'll probably save some lives too. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially, you know, with July around the corner, you know. and <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Where is that study that There's shows a... E2 to success rate? Yeah. <laughs> from and uh, you might be nailing those June. tubes now, but you just wait. <laughs> All right. Oh. So there are a lot of ways to check tube placement, right? Um, there is no single infallible technique. Nothing. 
the most reliable method by far, if they ask you this on the test, are two things. One, direct visualization that you literally see the tube passing through the glottis the entire time. This is better with video because you have someone usually standing next to you confirming on the video that you are going straight through. And the second most reliable is going to be end tidal capnography, as we talked about. Boom. Yep. The two best things. So tell me about end tidal capnography, uh, Dr. Hussain. This has gained so much traction over the past five years. It really has. And I feel like at least when I started training, it was already a thing. But sure. apparently beforehand, it wasn't. And I can't imagine life without it. Right. End tidal capnography involves CO2 monitor. It displays CO2 concentration in real time. Capnometry hmm. is similar, but slightly less accurate. Uh, but it uses a small adapter that hooks to the bag valve mask and the ET tube. The adapter has a pH paper that changes colors in the presence of CO2. Paper remains purple, you know, with low CO2 concentration and changes yellow with higher CO2 concentrations, indicating correct endotracheal location. That's key. That's all it really is. We really should give a shout out to whoever created this thing. <laughs> Pretty simple and genius. I'm sure. Do you think it was grassroots? Uh, maybe. I would tell you this. I bet you it literally cost 50 cents to make. I'm sure they charge oh, no. like 50 bucks a pop. And that's, those are all assumptions. So please, you know, take them with a grain of salt. Um, hashtag EpiPen. Yeah, we should have you know, board bomb dive in this. Um, it would have been fun to get in the weeds of that. But anyways. Awesome. Uh, and at major centers, it's pretty much standard. Every intubation, uh, respiratory therapist, whoever is assisting with handing the BVM portion once you put the intratracheal tube in. Yeah, hmm. but hold up, Dr. Briggs. Why wasn't five-point auscultation correct? Was, I remember that was a really big deal, this whole five-point auscultation. Hey, thing. let's just calm down a little bit. Dial it down. Why wasn't that the correct answer? <laughs> I need to know this. I know you went on a rant last week, but this week I'm in control here. <laughs> no rant. No rant. Look at me. Week. Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Although I did have a 75-year-old guy ask me yesterday, why are you talking so much about water? I drink plenty of coffee. <laughs> Doesn't that hydrate me? <laughs> Anyways, continue. I'm not getting, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> so five-point auscultation sucks. Um, <laughs> bilateral breast sounds and the absence of gastric inflation insufflation is been the standard in the past this has pretty much been shown to be much less reliable and by much less reliable like several point percentage yes less reliable than capnography but it's still cool to do it's still cool to do especially like during times you'll look very seriously and you'll be like all right who's listening and you look (laughs) and then you get that look and they just nod and they look at you and you nod back yeah and they have no idea what they listen to (laughs) Right, and you feel great. Yeah, you're like, oh, we're good. Forget the chest X-ray. Uh, <laughs> no, you still get the chest. I know, I'm come, kidding. Come anyway, Iltafat's right. We do this. It's standard. You should do it. It's part of the process, absolutely. However, you should never rely on that alone ever in, on the test or in real life. It is always the wrong answer. <laughs> correct, correct, correct. Um, things are misleading, right? And you have a very sick patient in front of you potentially. If they have a hemo, a pneumo already, or they have blood in the stomach. You know, you can imagine things are just going to murky the waters it's not gonna be your simple easy listen oh i hear air i don't hear air so that's where everything else comes in here we've already talked about capnography why it's the most accurate 
Yeah, and the, the only thing I would say would be kind of right mainstem. Sure, so, sure. So, you know, maybe you can hear decrease breath sounds, but even then, it, you it's know, on top good. of that, yeah, yeah it's still not good. Because no. I know there's people listening in their car right now, and they're like, what about checking that right main? But, yeah, no, anyway, that's going to go into the next thing you're going to talk about. And now. that's where chest x-ray comes in. So chest x-ray is used to identify mainstem bronchus innovation or a tube that's too high or too low. The chest x-ray does not distinguish endotracheal versus esophageal placement, right? And Correct. that's the important reason why chest x-ray is the wrong answer here. And probably a lot of people thought that was the right answer because historically right. and in the past, everybody thought, oh, you got chest x-ray, we're good. It does not confirm. That's why capnography is just so important. And even after you confirm tube placement, it's good to have these patients stay on capnography monitors, uh, as well as pulse ox, of course, with on the ventilator, but it's still... This it's very quick to change capnography. It has a faster rate of change than pulse oximetry, and so you'll detect sudden changes, meaning tube displacement, very quickly, within seconds. And that's why right. it's so important. Um, in fact, just taking this one step further, not to go into too in depth about capnography, but that's a whole different that's a whole different lecture on interpreting capnography waves. But in general, capnography, like patients that I have that I'm monitoring, let's say they're intoxicated or they were recently given Narcan and they're just kind of resting in the ED, we're observing them, I will put them on capnography and uh, make sure that uh, obviously the alarm is set within seconds if something happens, like they're going apneic or um, not breathing as well, that capnography alarm will go off. Sure. Hey, but what about intratracheal tube condensation? Um, that is actually a surprise, going to be very helpful. Just kidding. It sucks. Don't ever do it. <laughs> It makes you feel better. Though. It does make you feel better, but again, you, again, imagine this patient getting bagged in the field. There's air in the stomach. Nah, if you if you goose the tube, you could still have condensation in the tube. So yeah, you see it, and you're like, oh, that's you know, when you give a squeeze on the bag valve mask after you tube them, and you see condensation. It's a nice feeling, but I would never ever. <laughs> so so hold on. So you're telling me that capnometry is 100 percent accurate? Uh, no, I'm not actually. Uh, that's fake news. <laughs> No method is 100% accurate. Boom. There you yeah. go. Yes. Let's summarize here. So, entitled capnography is the most reliable way to confirm endotracheal intubation. No confirmation method is 100%. You should always use a combo of techniques. Do not use chest radiography to differentiate endotracheal from esophageal placement. It's not used for that. Chest x-ray is also slow. So rarely is a bedside x-ray ready to shoot immediately after intubation. Ultrasound has gained a lot of traction for confirmation of endotracheal tube placement, and that's fantastic. But one, some EDs don't have that. Two, you may not feel comfortable with doing that. So I would suggest not relying on that if you've never used it before in the heat of the moment. Yeah. So capnography is cheap. It's just plastic tubing. It is fantastic, and you should use it. It's the most reliable method. Hey, so let's take a deeper dive here. Um, you want to do the bonus bomb? Yes, let's do it. Man, I like it. We're doing a bonus bomb for ASAP here. Boom. No, it's a special bonus bomb. It's the first bomb. one? Uh, no, we've done it before, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for a bonus bomb. <laughs> hey, so... What are the conditions associated with false colometric or capnographic readings? Yeah, so the false negative ones, you're talking about cardiac arrest, massive pulmonary embolism, massive obesity, severe pulmonary edema. Again, secretions might be obstructing the tube as well. I was hoping you'd say massive and, again because you said it like three times. I know, I know. And you know, in a weird way, 
I feel like oftentimes we know when that false negative is going to be there. Yeah. You know, when you have like that cardiac arrest, it's it's this next one that I'd like you to get into. Mm-hmm. This false positive that's a lot a lot <laughs> scary. <laughs> that's the one. Oh where you're like, boy. Uh, oh great, we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. The the false positive readings are frightening. Um, you're going to have heated humidifiers, nebulizers, or any endotracheal epinephrine. This is extremely transient. And so let's say that um, I could see the only one that's the most common here is going to be a nebulizer, right? And so if you're giving a patient like a COPD exacerbation or something, uh, pre-COVID, of course, <laughs> and you're yes. giving them a nebulizer. I haven't seen a nebulizer in ages. You're giving them an albuterol nebulizer therapy or some sort of nebulized duodenum therapy, and then you intubate them right away. Even then, from what I've read, it's extremely transient, like seconds kind of thing. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't think too much of that, but this is, again, just, these are deep dive points to keep in mind. This is not going to be on your board test. No one's going to ask you that. It will, but it's good life. It is good life. It's good to uh, think and troubleshoot. False positive. False positive. It would be very suboptimal. Some really good advice I heard actually recently. It wasn't directed to me, but I was, it was one of those cool moments where this time of the year when med students are just starting up and they're learning about intubations. And, and I was working with an older attending, uh, recently. And I remember he was just, I heard all the corner of my ear that he was talking to the med student about the process of intubation. And of course, the natural questions about intubation is the process of intubation, like the act of intubating. And it's really interesting what the attending said. He said that I could seriously get on the street and anyone with a normal IQ, I could train them to intubate. If you have some good hand-eye coordination, if you can ride a bike, you can train to intubate. The really, really difficult part is everything else surrounding intubation, the critical care aspects the deciding when to intubate, deciding how to intubate, deciding the meds, deciding right. everything afterward, the vent management in the ED, the complexity of troubleshooting what are the bad things that happen in intubation, the bad airways. Right. You know, and I thought that was a really good point to mention because I feel like it really there's is. so many so many points surrounding just the RSI point. The the more important things are what we're talking about too, is also all these troubleshooting options, um, right. false positive, false negative readings. It gets so deep and so intense. These are important things you have to think about. It does. And it really is. It's almost like an LP where yeah. if you don't set it up the right way, you're just not going to be successful. Not at all. Not at all. And and that's and that's where I oftentimes will tell residents, your setup for this, your angles of attack are the most important thing. Yeah. And I think that's very very wise advice where anybody can really do this. And overall success rate high is really dependent on how you set this up sure. and what you're going to do post. Absolutely. Um, and so. you know the most important thing here is you want to achieve airway supremacy. And speaking of airway supremacy, oh, you're getting into it like the plug, <laughs> like the shameless Let's go. plug. We have the most unique, dare I say, special airway module in in the universe. Like live intubations. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Picture real and, life videos. And we would like to uh, say thank you to all the people who've tweeted us about yes, this. Thank you um shown us love have dm'd us um we you know really appreciate it thank you yeah so Um, hundreds of people have been doing this literally uh we have recorded over hundreds of entries uh there's a pre and post quiz which we encourage you to do it helps us and it helps you to remember that knowledge gap that you have going into it and the module itself is 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 incredible we're really happy with it we really thank uh some of the other physicians and team members that have helped made it possible. Chase Countryman with website design. And it's just a really fantastic site. There's really nothing like it. There are, again, real life, real life intubation videos of both adult and pediatrics 
and failed and pediatrics and, pe- and pediatrics uh sphincter tightening airways and peds and we're honest there there are failed intubations on this module which i think is important to see um right is in there's and there's a timesheet breakdown of each intubation video showing at each few seconds what is happening what are you supposed to be doing we go through the equipment we go through the anatomy that you have to know not the in-depth textbook anatomy but the these are the basic structures you need to identify if you're lost in the right. woods this is what you need to see to get out yeah and this isn't like 720 480p we're talking about no. hd video here guys <laughs> we're talking about hd we're talking about 4k, 4K. it's 4k we're talking about 8k 4K. Uh, okay i don't know about the 4k part but man the clarity yeah. is beautiful yeah it's awesome we encourage you to look at it please All right, take us out. I think we're good. And that is another board bomb delivered in our collaboration with ASAP Pure. Hey, find us on Twitter. Our handle is at EMBoardBombs. We're getting up to the thousands of followers. We appreciate that. Hit us up on Instagram as well. Drop us an Apple review. Trying to get to a couple hundred now. And again, visit our website, emboardbombs.com. There's an amazing airway module that is available. Um, One of the coolest things I think we've noticed is that the majority of the people actually doing the modules are practicing attending physicians, which is really cool. So that's it. Thanks. See you next time.